I will never be murdered at the Grand Canyon because you could never get me close enough to the edge to fall in. Like You'd have to push me for like a mile and a half to get me to fall off of the Grand Canyon because God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom gave me a fear of heights. Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. Uh, I'm here with my good friend, Daniel. And uh, as you'll see in just a minute, we have a couple of guests with us that we'll introduce uh, here before long. Uh, As I said, we are the podcast for Christians who think about stuff, but not the only podcast for Christians who think about stuff. There is a a couple guys from the Take the Coffee podcast, Ethan and TJ. Uh, It's good to have them on this morning. Uh, How's everybody doing? Doing good. Doing great. Doing fantastic. Doing great. Yes. Yeah. And so we are excited. We want to first, let me just jump in real quick and say we want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together who have uh, who have jumped in to support us on an episode by episode basis. And we sure appreciate you guys and gals. Yes. Or guys and gal, or I don't know, I haven't looked at the list recently, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for your support. And again, I want to introduce our guests. Uh, you've, you've, you've joined us, if this is your first time on Reason Together, you've joined us for a special episode because we don't usually have guests, and yet we're uh, blessed this time to have Ethan and TJ with Take the Coffee podcast. They do something, I'd say, similar and yet a different different format, um, um, more techie, maybe. <laughs> if you want to mm-hmm. contact them on other social media, um, TJ, would you more tell them yeah, more caffeinated? <laughs> yes. TJ, For would sure. you tell them where they can uh, contact you and find you? Yeah. So anywhere you have, you know, you, anywhere you find podcasts, we're just take the coffee and we're on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, both on take the coffee. So, okay. Now, if you... Obviously, it sounds like if you like coffee, you'd like the podcast. But even for me, a guy who's not a traditional coffee drinker, I found it uh, fascinating to start thinking about coffee. And you guys will kind of take a deep dive uh, after every episode. Maybe not a deep dive in your opinion, but <laughs> but you talk. <laughs> it's you t- a, it's you, a deep you, dive. You talk coffee. Um, I mean, yeah. besides besides uh, being uh, you know, conservative Christians, you're also conservative Christian coffee drinkers. And so they go together. It's yeah. In the Bible somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that was somewhere. I, Hebrews. I don't think you can oh, separate sorry, no. the two. Oh, the <laughs> Hebrews joke. We got to go. <laughs> That's, I had to throw in my dad joke or whatever for the it's episode. It's too early so. for that. We're, we're not even six minutes in here. Like, come on, oh. man. But, um, yeah, Ethan, why don't you share with us kind of the, uh, the birth of your podcast. I mean, where the, where this came from, what you guys' uh, dream was behind it. So I think we've had both of you interviewed and they are not released yet. So spoiler alert if this one comes out, but you guys <laughs> were actually a part of the inspiration for the podcast. Um, it kind of came from a frustration of the lack of that conservative Christian podcast. And I love podcasts. Mm, yeah. uh, I listen to them all the time. And every mm. time I found... Uh, a nominal Christian podcast. It always <laughs> seemed either really negative, in which people complained about society, or mostly other Christians. Right. Or <laughs> it was just super repetitive. And I would listen to five episodes, and like the sixth episode, I'm like, all right, I'm just done with it. And I was like, there needs to be a podcast that is more encouraging, and I think focused at a younger generation. And 
I was complaining mm-hmm. to everybody who had listened to me complain about the podcast. <laughs> and I came to the point where I was like, you know what? I should just start my own. And yeah, wow. Um, mm-hmm. I contacted TJ mm-hmm. about it and he was he was all in. And that's kind of where it started. And really, it didn't really start about coffee. Um, hmm. It started with me. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I really think that especially, you know, obviously I'm a youth pastor, TJ's a youth pastor with a heart for the younger generation that is really, we're losing them in church. And I was like, they need to be encouraged because mm-hmm. from what I hear is they get a lot of like, oh, the ministry is so hard. Like it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's God's will for you specifically. And you should go into the ministry, <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the confusion and everything. And I was like, if I could have other people just share how they got into ministry, their heart and kind of come at it from a positive aspect like serving god with the rest of your life is a fantastic thing and can be fun um i really wanted that and really the coffee part of it came from a lack of christians being willing to fellowship with each other and Mm. sit down with each other that's something (laughs) i really appreciated with about you guys is like man there's like two best friends hundreds of miles apart you know just talking and having conversation and i was like I saw the secular world Mm. when, you know, I worked in the secular world, you know, every Friday night they'd go out and hang out. And I, you know, because of my convictions, I was like, I can't go hang out with them. And as Christians, I was like, man, we should start our own like Friday night hangout. And nobody (laughs) wants to do that. And I was like, why do Christians hate (laughs) hanging out with each other? No. Why won't they sit down over a cup of coffee and just talk and have fun? I was like, is that frowned upon? Is that something that's like you're not allowed to (laughs) do as a Christian? So all of that combined went into the Take the Coffee podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, very good. That's a that's a good observation. You know, people of the world have buddies. Christians have brethren. And it's like, why can't brethren also be buddies? <laughs> what's so what's so bad about that? Yeah, I was like, that is like the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron and stuff and fellowshipping as yes. a main part yes. of Christianity. And I was like, the world goes out and like they'll get together right. for drinks and drugs and whatever. And Christians are like, yeah. mm, this is my time. I'm just going to watch TV at home. <laughs> like, okay, mm. sure. Wow. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, thank you. And let me say, our the way we typically structure our episodes is Tom and I have a running list of questions that something we've thought of, maybe now some listener feedback or, or something that somebody in our conversation has mentioned. And so we throw it onto a list as we feel like, yeah, we want to talk about that. Um, and it's so we, we can look at the list. We don't necessarily spend, you know, a couple hours, you know, preparing this uh, response or anything, but we, we can generally know what we might hit. We and, wing uh, it. <laughs> yeah. So if we, if we sound, uh, kind of like it's, it's, uh, random and, and yeah, and unselected prior to that's kind of cause it is, uh, it is yeah. a conversation. Uh, we remember Tom early on when we would deal like with a topic, it seems like, and we would kind of yes. hit that topic and we'd hit it in depth. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of more evolved into this, just throwing questions at each other. And it became more mm-hmm. of a, um, more of a conversation where we're not always right. landing on an exact answer as much as we might want to give a, <laughs> a better answer. It's, but it's at least hopefully showing how we can reason through and talk through something and not be called a heretic and think about where, you know, the Bible applies to certain questions and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, why don't we just go ahead and get into the first yeah. question here? Yeah. Tom, um, take it. Okay. This one is <clears throat> one I've been thinking about a little bit lately. And 
it's the intersection between efficiency and laziness. Okay. And, and, and what is the difference between those things? And really the question is, is there, is there a principle of, of least effort in human beings? For instance, you have, let me give you a scriptural example. You have second Timothy two fifteen, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman mm-hmm. that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there's this imperative on believers to, to spend enough time studying the word of God or I should say enough effort studying the yeah, word of God that you, yes. that you get it. There's a diligence implied there. But then you have other scriptures like Colossians 3, 5 that tell us we're to redeem the time. Okay, So does it mean then that if I, I mean, can I spend too much time studying to where I'm not redeeming the time? And, and am I actually doing myself a favor? Am I doing something right if I find a way to rightly divide the scriptures in the least amount of time possible? Or is that laziness? <laughs> <laughs> well, a short answer is if it's somebody else, it's lazy. If it's me, it's efficiency. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the mm-hmm. dividing mm-hmm. The factor there is whether it's yep. me or not. Um, <laughs> 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 now, um, that's right. an interesting thought because obviously we value study, uh, Bible study in particular. And so we would, it, right. you, you'd, you'd think that the longer study um, correlates to better, like the longer, the better. Um, and in some cases, uh, if you're talking about efficiency of preaching or of speaking, that is kind of the case because to speak short, you have to study long uh, sometimes mm-hmm. to to articulate uh, and 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 uh, express yourself in in a manner that doesn't just ramble and go on and on. So mm-hmm. there is something to a lot of study, and yet there are, as you said that, I thought, well, there are study tools, there are, there are powerful Bible programs that mm-hmm. allow us to do in seconds what men before had to be pulling out, you know, books on their desk and flipping to page 583 and looking at this. And we've got it by just hovering our cursor over the word, you know? Mm -hmm. So it obviously has, has sped up. Um, but where it turns into laziness, I don't know that I've got a great one right at the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I think if efficiency is more of like a quality of a human being and, Mm -hmm. I see like some people you would say are more efficient at one thing more than another. Like, for example, some people that I know will never use a computer program for their Bible study because it's Mm. not efficient for them. They can gather and glean more from a physical book and they'll Mm. still use, you know, vines and Bible dictionaries and stuff Mm -hmm. straight from Mm -hmm. a book, like you said. But for me, it is far more efficient for me and my my mental like learning and intake and being able to recall those things if I use a program where I can have all those things laid out next to each other, where I can click a Strong's number and it brings it up for me. So I think efficiency looks different for mm-hmm. everybody, but I think laziness mm-hmm. looks the same because that's mm-hmm. more of a, a state of being of I don't mm-hmm. want to do something. Yeah. It's not exactly a I can't. It's an I don't want to. And I think, you know, efficiency in studying is a matter of, I'll give you one second, it's a matter of focus. And, you know, you can Mm. end up on any rabbit trail and you can preach a verse a million different ways. But between like the Holy Spirit (laughs) and your study, you're working on a single point. And to me, that would be efficiency. Whereas, you know, Mm. if I try to preach a verse Mm. every different way, I'm working really hard, but I'm not redeeming the time because that's not what God has given me. Whereas laziness is I don't want to study out that verse. I'm just going to do this one point so I don't have to do anything else. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say something along those lines where if you get, you know, you can get lost in the minutia and not that minutia is bad. Obviously, you want to 
you want to understand scripture and you want to understand maybe even different viewpoints of where a verse is coming from or or i guess of, of how other people may interpret that verse but like ethan was saying if you then start you know preaching all of those different things and you're losing the 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 main point of the passage of the verse i think that's when you're becoming mm-hmm. inefficient um hmm. and yeah like well like uh, i think what you were saying is is what i was trying to get at too is that you know if we're trying to if we're we're saying that the time you spend is equal to you know not being lazy then shouldn't we ditch all of our computers and go back to <laughs> looking up yeah, concordances right. <laughs> and lexicons and whatnot so i don't yes, think just because and- you don't spend the time means that you're not being or that you are being right lazy. Mm. and you're kind of hitting on sort of what I, what i was getting at in the question like if we take it out of the realm of bible study for a second and put it into everyday activities if you have errands to run you know you go out to the store or something like that would you drive like i've got two home depots probably equidistant from me here maybe one is you know just a few seconds closer i don't know you know if i go out to run errands i typically tend to choose the faster way to do it right that's mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. me um is that because i'm trying to be efficient or am i just lazy what what makes it different motivation <laughs> is <laughs> oh, so, so why i'm doing it yeah i think the motivation is i'm trying to save time so that i can do this later or so i could like do this or it's like i have to get gas on the way and the cheaper gas is on the way to this home mm-hmm. depot and i i actually like i can relate because we have three home depots that are all <laughs> like two of them are far away but far better selection the one that's five minutes from my house is horrible and the people there <laughs> like hate it when you walk in the door because they're like we're gonna help that person <laughs> <laughs> and you can just see it on their faces. But I go there all the time because it's efficient. But whenever I order something, it's always shipped to one of those other stores. Yes. So at some point, you know, the efficiency mm. is, you know, what is my motivation <clears throat> behind one over the other? Is it so I have to, you know, so I have more time to watch TV, which occasionally may be a motivation because right. I'm tired. <laughs> but I think the motivation mm. behind laziness, like I, I think right. it's that mindset of I don't want to versus this can be streamlined and not to brag. Myself, so the reason I, I, behind. Go ahead. I was going to say, so, so if I'm if I'm understanding you right, you're saying the reason behind why I'm saving time is the difference between efficiency and laziness. So if I'm saving my time because it's wise to save my time, that's efficiency. If I'm saving my time because I want to just veg, you know, when it's probably not the best thing for me to do right then, that's laziness. Um, yeah, I don't know that I would take exact, I don't know if the motivation has so much to do with whether it's efficient or not. Um, maybe whether it's a good use of efficiency, <laughs> but um, but the focus, uh, that that was a really good point. Um, and I think in translating, bringing that back to preaching or our understanding of the Bible, we can preach and, and get to, we know, you know, that we can get to a certain point and go, oh man, that'll preach. There's a mm-hmm. devotional thought right there. <laughs> well, that's all the study I need to do. Okay, I'm good because I can, I can, you know, I know I can ramble on that devotional thought for 20 minutes instead of saying, no, really, what's the point of the whole passage? What's the context? What's, right. what's meant to be taught here? Um, and so that is a focus. That mm-hmm. was a good point. Uh, by both of you guys, that uh, I need to focus on what is this passage saying? What am I trying to get out of it? Yeah, I could get into the minutia, or I could get into this side thought over here, but to stay focused on it, uh, thus, the end of my study, it may be the same amount of time that I spend, 
but the efficiency is in, in what I was looking to do and how well I came out with the product that I was needing to get. So Right. You, you brought out an important point in there that I suppose might take us on a slight tangent, but you said, you know, studying to the point where you find something that'll preach or something that's a good devotional yeah. thought. I read a book one time. It was a, it was a short book and uh, I, I forget what it was entitled by. I won't mention who wrote it because you probably all know who he was, but it was a book about preaching. And it was basically, you know, at what point do you know you have a message from God? And he basically said what you said when you come across something that's like a nugget or a devotional thought or mm. when you find something that'll preach and you get excited about it. Mm. My concern with that philosophy is that that's like you said, where often people stop. And that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean you've come to the point of competency or to the point of expertise or mastery of a certain topic. You've just found something you know, ex that excites you. You found something that's yes. maybe new to you. Um, and it, it reminds me of that uh, mm -hmm. the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are, are you familiar with this? <laughs> yes. I've never heard those You, you probably are a little before. bit. <laughs> 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 Dude, but I know everything about them. No, <laughs> okay. Okay, let me let me let me try and sum it up. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you're studying something, you get excited about this nugget of information you've just learned. Maybe it was a difficult concept to you. Finally it clicks and you get it. At least in part you get it. And you have this spike of enthusiasm. And what these two guys, Dunning and Kruger, discovered is that with the spike of enthusiasm about new learned knowledge is that there's also a spike in confidence. So someone now feels like, sure. I could teach this to somebody. I get this. <laughs> <clears throat> but then what happens is if they continue to study the subject, and that's a big if, if they continue to study, their confidence level begins to dip lower and lower and lower because they start to realize this subject is a lot less clear than I thought it was. There's more to this. There's much more thought behind this. Their confidence level goes down, but their knowledge level is continuing to go up. And over time, their confidence begins to come back up again, but then it's rightfully so because they've now developed mastery or expertise of the information. But that by that point, they're now humble enough to realize this is a big subject. This is big. And, and you know, maybe I'm not going to be quick to speak on it because, you know, it's it's complicated and it's big. Whereas the guy who just still is in that early spike of enthusiasm, he's ready to tell the world about it, but yet he's not to a level of expertise. And my concern with that in preaching and in studying the Bible is that we could potentially have an entire generation of people that using that philosophy of study, they've never gained yes. mastery or, or expertise of a subject. They've just mm -hmm. got an exciting nugget that you could put on a bumper sticker and they're going to go preach for 45 minutes about it, but they've never actually gained real understanding of the topic. Just a minute. I'm getting my hanky out so I can uh, wave it here while you're <laughs> preaching, Tom. That's uh, wow. That's uh, that's <laughs> quite a thought. Um, wow. Yeah, I think there's I think we have to be really careful of that. I mean, it's great to be excited about scripture and to come on a passage and man, I see that in a way I hadn't seen before. And that's, you know, I think that can be the work of the Holy Spirit building you and, and growing you. And yet at the same time, um, that that concept, um, you know, you need to get something out of the scripture, meaning you need to feel something. Um, you, um, what does this passage mean to you? You know, if we start veering that direction, we're going the wrong direction because the mm -hmm. passage doesn't mean something because it means something to you. It already means something. Now you have to figure out what it means. Um, and, and if you will, I guess, get excited about it or, <laughs> you know, and say, that's valuable. Wow. That's worthwhile. Right. What, 
what, what, how does that apply to my life? And instead of, you know, just choosing what I would call a term, a devotional thought, um, out of the passive. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, so for me, the Dunning Kruger is like the Bible college effect in that, you know, going to, yeah. going to Christian school for, you know, 13 years and then going off to Bible college and learning a couple things thinking, man, I am just, I'm going to light the world on fire and I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my pastor all the things that he's doing wrong. And then the more, <laughs> the, the more that I learned and the more, the more I like dove deep into scripture, it's like, okay, I actually don't know any of this. And, uh, you know, I got, you know, you get a little discouraged, like, you know, your end of your sophomore year, your junior year, but then you start getting a little bit of a handle on it. And then you're like, okay, now, and I, I do understand some people, leave, you know, come back from graduating Bible college and they, you know, they still think maybe they're, you know, they're hot stuff, but there, there does come a point yeah. where it's like, okay, this is, and then you go and into I the ministry know, and it happens all over again. It, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I like, for me, Bible college was that exact instance where it's like, I don't know anything. Wow. I'm super discouraged. And then, yeah, like you said, <laughs> minis ministry has the, the same effect. Right. <clears throat> um, personality has a lot to do with what excites you. Mm, and yes. Yeah. I, 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 I was saying, like, I get excited by some really dumb stuff sometimes that I learn from the Bible. Um, I really like when his history backs up the Bible or certain things mm -hmm. that are of, you know, maybe a little more yes. historical significance or cultural significance. Um, I was reading the prodigal son probably about a month ago now, and I fell into this rabbit hole of the significance of the dad putting the ring on his son's hand because mm. that signet gives that son power that gives him a measure of control in family matters because that signet is, you know, your stamp of approval for letters or, you know, business transactions. And he gave that privilege back to his son. Can that preach? Yeah, a little bit. But I was like mad excited about it. Am I going <laughs> to write a whole sermon series on that? Absolutely not. I might throw it out there in one. But, you know, I was super excited. But excitement doesn't necessarily indicate uh, I don't indicate a preaching point or indicate something that's going to help someone yeah, grow right. in their spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah especially <laughs> considering where they might be versus where you might be. Not everybody's at the same place uh, mm -hmm. right? to be excited about the same thing. Hmm. Well, good. Good thoughts, guys. Tom, did you have something to wrap that one up? Uh, no, I was just uh, listening to what both of them had to say. And I think, uh, you know, they have valid points being, you know, Bible college graduates. I mean, all three of you, I'm the only one that's not. <laughs> um, and, yeah. uh, you know, so I mean, you guys would know better than I would, you know, ultimately how that, <laughs> that effect goes. But uh, and I've heard people say, you know, they get out into the ministry after Bible college, they think they're ready to take on the world. And then they start studying the Bible to preach four or five times a week. And they're learning more than they've ever learned. And, and it's yeah. just kind of almost demoralizing at times where, you know, I thought yeah. I had this down, uh, <laughs> but I didn't, <laughs> you know, and I guess that's why, you know, the, some people call the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, they call it the cognitive bias of illusory expertise. So it gives wow. the illusion that. that you are an expert in something when you're actually yeah. not. Yeah. 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 It reminds me as, as we're talking, I, I remember something that one of my professors said in Bible college said something about, you know, uh, you know, uh, how, how do you say it? Uh, you know, nothing about everything. And so, and then you start studying and learn more and more about less and less until finally, you know, everything about nothing or something like that. <laughs> 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 or maybe it was vice versa. You, you, you study and yeah. study and you know nothing about everything. I don't know. But anyway, um, let me go to my next, and let me go to the question I had here. Um, 
And and this this comes from something that I heard somebody say and a point that he was trying to make. But um, the issue of fear, a lot of times we uh, post things in a in a opposite black white relationship. Um, and so when you think about the issue of fear, what would you say is the opposite of fear? And then I guess I'll just tell you up front why, because uh, I heard somebody use the passage. Um, and where where is it? Is it First John? But anyway, it says, perfect love casteth out fear. So he said, love is the opposite of fear. Uh, what's your guys' take on that? What do you think is the opposite of fear? Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So let, our, let our guests field that one first Yeah. while so I sit here all... and think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ethan, you want to go first? All right. <clears throat> first, let's address the verse. Um, love yeah, is an inseparable quality of God. And mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. if you if God were to, you know, as he lays out love, it would cast out a whole lot more than fear. Not it's just in the context of that passage speaking on that. Um, mm. You know, that was the purpose of love in that. But um, as far as the an antonym for fear, uh, I believe, you know, fear, there's some natural God given fears that he gave mm. us as far as preservation of life. Um, I'm scared <laughs> of heights because if I fall, I'm going to die. Right? Yeah. And like, like I yeah. said, I love podcasts. I love crime <laughs> podcasts. And there's this guy, you know, he's going around and he, he like killed three of his wives. And one of them was at the Grand Canyon. And, you know, he pushed his wife off cliff. And I was like, I will never be murdered at the Grand Canyon because you could never get me close enough to the edge to fall in. Like, you'd have to push me for like a mile and a half to get me to fall off of the Grand Canyon because God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom gave me a fear of heights so that I will not die from it. And then there is that fear that is a choice of, you know, all respect. When it talks about fearing the Lord, it's that recognition that he has the power over my life, but I get to choose whether or not I'm going to fear him. I don't have that natural fear of God in myself because I'm a naturally selfish person. My flesh wants what's best for me. And I have to sometimes convince myself I need to be fearing God in this moment because that's what's going to keep me, my spiritual life, safe. So I think, you know, there is the antonym of fear could be a confidence or a courage that in spite of this fear, I'm going to do this. But I also Mm -hmm, think... mm -hmm. There is like the opposite of fear could be pride in which, you know, fear being a humility of placing myself under God, that pride says, I'm going to do this Cavalier. in spite yeah. of my, mm. yeah, in mm-hmm. spite of my fear of God. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Good mm-hmm. thought. Good thought. Well, I know something, uh, I know something about this podcast that, that maybe you guys don't yet. And that is when Daniel asks a question, if the answer seems obvious, that's not the answer. So, <laughs> you know, if, if, if courage is the obvious answer to the question, it's it's probably not courage that he's thinking. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I've eliminated an option for you, TJ. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Because that is just like, you know, that's the classic answer. You know, a man in, in battle <laughs> is, you know, he's afraid, but what what do they say? The opposite of that is, well, just courage, just do it. And right. so I would say for for me, um, you know, there are those, like Ethan said, those God-given fears, but a lot of times 
you know, when I'm thinking about in, in I guess, a, a more spiritual or a Christian aspect of it is that, you know, someone might be afraid to uh, witness to their neighbor or afraid to witness to their coworker or afraid uh, to go overseas as a missionary, you know, what might happen to me. And so uh, I think one aspect of the opposite of fear would be faith in that, mm -hmm. you know, okay, you might be afraid to, to go overseas or you might be afraid to talk or witness to your neighbor. But, uh, you know, the Bible says that, you know, Jesus says, you know, lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Uh, you know, do I trust that what God says about providing and protecting for me is true or not? And mm -hmm. so for me, part of, you know, the opposite of fear would be, you know, I'm going to trust God at his promises. I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I know the Lord's land on my heart or what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. And I'm going to trust that God is going to take care of me in the best way that he knows to take care of me. And mm -hmm. whether that means like Paul, whether that means I suffer a little bit, uh, that still means that that is what God knows that I need. And so, yeah, for, for me, I guess a simple answer would just be, would be faith. Hmm. All right, okay. Tom, long enough. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was listening to both of them and, yeah. and, and they have, they have good answers. I don't think their answers are wrong, by the way. I think there's just concurrent things happening, but, um, I would say perhaps the opposite of fear would be understanding or experience. So mm -hmm. like, for mm -hmm. instance, Ethan's answer was basically confidence or courage, right? And, and TJ's answer was faith. And, uh, you know, and then of course, Daniel, you heard someone say that, that it's love. Well, I think all of those things are kind of codependent on knowing the subject. Uh, so for instance, mm -hmm. you know, do mm -hmm. I, do I love my wife? Well, yes. How, how do I know that? Well, cause I know her. <laughs> Right. I have experience with her. Uh, how do you love someone that you don't have experience with or knowledge about? And I think the same would be true of, of faith. It's easier to trust someone, put your confidence in them when you know them, when you have experience with them uh, and such. And, and for, for me, I know that in life, the things that I have been the most afraid of were the things I knew the least about. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. getting knowledge or experience about that actually helps you kind of relax in the moment. Uh, I don't know why my mind just went to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? <laughs> um, when a, when a yeah, guy what? first starts, yeah, very good when reason a guy for first that. starts training in that, right? <clears throat> it's like everything, every muscle in your body is tense and yeah. your heart rate is through the roof. You're breathing, <sighs> you know, you're just panting for air because you don't know what's going to happen to you. Is someone going to break your arm? <laughs> is someone going to choke you unconscious? You don't know. But what's interesting is that the more experience you get, you could almost take a nap. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. Mm -hmm. You could just kind of close your eyes and just kind of relax and just do your thing uh, because that's what experience gets you. Um, and I think the same thing can be said of fear. Uh, I'm afraid of something because I don't have understanding or experience with it. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I, neat can thought. Can I pose a question really quick? Sure. So okay. I have a head knowledge of what my body would look like at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I have... <laughs> not experienced such a great fall but let's say i i do and i survive would not my fear grow because of that because i have gained even more understanding mm. <laughs> and some experiential knowledge interesting yeah um, yeah yeah well, i think there's there's a clear law involved there <laughs> right that you're the Gravity. exception to the rule if you if you fall 
Yeah, gravity. If you fall into the Grand Canyon, you survive. You are the exception to the rule. Whereas I think, you know, other scenarios of life, you know, could go either way. Well, I think the lesson to be learned, you know, you got to remember that what doesn't kill you make you stronger. <laughs> what? Just unless, unless it breaks every bone in your body, then I think that we... <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, that's, that statement is so funny to but, me. What doesn't kill you make you stronger. Um, I also... Okay. I, yeah, I kind of want to echo what Ethan said, though, like, you know, you could be, you know, walking through the woods and not understand, you know, oh, th- there's these animals that can kill you and there's these plants that are poisonous and and you could be walking through with with a confidence. But the more that you learn about, oh, these are the things that are in this wilderness, it could give you a greater fear of that. Correct. Or or, you know, yeah. learning about learning about electricity. Well, you know, I don't understand it and I plug things in and it, it makes things work. But knowing like, oh, like this could actually kill me uh, could increase that fear of the electricity that's running through your house. And that might be a bad Good. illustration, but I think there are things no. that you learn more about them and you could fear them more. Yes. And that you guys are starting to hit close to where uh, my thought on this and what it kind of highlights is that in our American discussion of fear, um, it's always an afraidness. I'm afraid of something. And that's our difficulty when transitioning to scripture and trying to explain to people what the fear of the Lord is. Sorry. And trying to explain to people um, what the fear of the Lord is. Pause this. Yeah, it'd probably be good to start that whole paragraph over again, just so Derek doesn't have to cut in the middle of it. Sure. What's been, what I've noticed throughout the conversation is that uh, the way we talk about fear in an American context is always speaking of an afraidness, if there's such a word, um, that we're afraid of something. And that's where the difficulty lies in transitioning over to scripture and trying to explain to people the concept of the fear of the Lord. Um, should we somehow be afraid of the Lord? And um, and if we get a if we get a proper concept of fear, it actually uh, comes very close to faith. And what you guys are talking about, um, it comes. You know, there is that that element of experience there. And here's how I define fear, like a biblical fear, and, and it does have two sides. And you'll see how fear is basically um, a respect of power. Um, if I'm if I'm standing back and I'm looking at the Grand Canyon. You know, I'm, I'm off the side, I'm behind the guardrail, and I just see it gushing over with such power. I'm like, man, that is amazing that there's so many millions of water and it's so powerful and it's beautiful. And wow, that, that falls is amazing. Now, if I'm on the river headed for the falls in a little canoe, I, I see the same falls and I see the same power, but my response to it is entirely different. Now I'm terrified. Um, because I stand in a different relation to that power, if you will. I stand to be very harmed by that power. And so, um, so it's a respect of the power. And that's, that's similar with um, the fear of the Lord. There is that, uh, in, in, you know, in the past, explaining it as a reverence. Some people try to explain it as a reverence. Well, that's the behind the guardrail that I'm looking at it because I'm in right relation to it. And I look at God and I say, wow, he's amazing. Uh, look how majestic he is. But I recognize that if I stand in wrong relation to him and deserve his condemnation, that then I'm terrified. Um, and so that's where that experience issue comes in. You say, the more I know about it, the more scared I am. Well, that's because you respect the power. Um, now you know how to be, um, now you know how to relate to it correctly. Um, I turn off this 
you know, this breaker here, I use this kind of a, you know, this kind of a screwdriver. I don't stand in a puddle. I, you know, there's certain things you do. So you kind of follow then a certain criteria for how to relate to that thing. And that's what we're talking about with the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is, I see him rightly and I, I relate to him according to his criteria for how he wants me to relate to him. But I recognize that when I don't, then I'm, then the, there's a legitimate afraidness. So what I would say is the opposite of fear, if fear is a, a respect of power, then you said, you, you hit really close to it earlier, Tom. Um, I would say the opposite of fear is carelessness. Um, you know, where a lot of times we say courage, and that's sort of the opposite of maybe the afraidness side of the fear. But if you take fear as a whole, the opposite of that, I would say, is a carelessness that says, oh, I see there's a criteria. I see there's a way to relate to it. And I don't really care. You know, I'm not going to follow right. the design. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Um, and that would be, of course, foolish. But right. anyway. And I guess that's what makes courage what it is, is that when someone who is courageous, it's not that they were unaware of the risks that they were taking. They were fully aware mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. went forward anyway. Mm -hmm out of courage, whereas someone who's careless or cavalier, you can't really say about them that they were being brave. <clears throat> hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Okay. So I was, I was reading about like the ancient Spartans, uh, maybe like a couple of weeks ago, and they actually condemned things like, you know, berserkerness, where you would, hmm. if that's a word, where you would yeah. just run without care of your life, because they would, they said, you know, very similar thing that, well, they weren't, they didn't have a proper fear of their enemy or that they, uh, they didn't mm -hmm. have a respect for their own life that they, they didn't care. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think even throughout history, it kind of echoes that same thought that it's, uh, the opposite would be a carelessness because when the Spartans were careless, they actually were condemned because of it. So mm, just right. an interesting <laughs> tidbit from history. That's, yeah. And that, that rings That'll true preach. too. Cause it's like, you know, when, when training and like, <laughs> oh yeah, that'll preach. <laughs> but now like training in mixed martial arts, people think, well, that makes you, that makes you super, you know, just brash and, you know, all somebody's got to do is flip your switch and then you just see red and bodies right. at the floor and, and you're just going to tear everybody <laughs> apart, you know? <clears throat> But when you actually start doing stuff like that, you realize just how much can go sideways, how quickly it can go sideways. And it's like yeah. somebody completely untrained can knock out a guy who's highly trained if he just lands one hit, mm -hmm. right? And just mm -hmm. one blink, one moment of not paying attention. And it's like, so a guy who's trained enough starts to realize this could go wrong so many different ways. So in mm -hmm. a sense, you know, he's fully aware of the risk he's taking. It doesn't make him more cavalier. It actually makes him more cautious. Yeah. Mm. Wow, great. Um, we are right at time. Tom, do we want to throw in that third question and make it a longer episode plus the bonus? Or do uh, yeah, just want to try I'm good with that. Yeah, it's fine. We it we we typically stick around 45 to 50 minutes, but this is a special episode. We got uh, a special guest here, and we're going to throw in an extra question. So, Tom, why don't you take that? Um, let's see. Which one were we doing here? Um, do you remember? About Jesus writing. Oh, that was actually for the after show. Do we want to do that in the oh, after show? Oh, was it? Oh, was it yeah. really? Okay. Yeah, that was for the after show. Oh, well, then um, I just sort of gave a teaser. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can we can give that as a teaser. If if you are listening to this episode and you're not an elite patron, uh, you probably have never heard the after show before. Um, 
unless you caught one of those rare free after shows that we threw out there. But mm-hmm. uh, if you'd like to become an elite patron, you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together and you can sign up to become an elite patron. Uh, and with that, you'll get a free T-shirt. You'll get some other perks and uh, you'll get the after show bonus episode in which you could hear today's discussion of why didn't Jesus write anything himself? Why do we have no written record from the physical hand of Jesus while he was on the earth? Um, why would he not do that? So that'll be the discussion for the after show. If you'd like that, Reason Together uh, or patreon.com slash Reason Together. All right. And uh, we want to say to our uh, general audience here before we go, again, take a look at Take the Coffee podcast with Ethan and TJ. And uh, so glad they're with us today. We're going to join them on the other side of the wall here and have our next discussion. But for now, we're encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. Reason Together.